Worldwide, approximately 500,000 new cases of acute rheumatic fever occur annually, and at least 15 million people have chronic rheumatic heart disease. This week's clinical review discusses acute rheumatic fever, in particular its diagnosis and management for the non-specialist. I'm joined today by Rachel Webb, a paediatric infectious diseases specialist from Auckland Starship Children's Hospital and one of the authors of the review. Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Sophie. Some doctors might think that acute rheumatic fever is a condition of the past, but that's not true, is it? Certainly not. It's a major preventable cause of cardiac morbidity in many resource-limited countries around the world, causing a great burden of premature um, death and also disease in children and young adults. What causes rheumatic fever? So acute rheumatic fever is caused by streptococcal pharyngitis, so the common group A strep sore throat. And following a streptococcal throat infection in a susceptible individual, the immune system then reacts in such a way that it um, causes inflammation of the joints and sometimes of the valves of the heart and in the brain affecting the basal ganglia. When clinicians are assessing patients, what clinical features should prompt them to consider this as a diagnosis? I guess the most important thing initially is, is this a person who is from a high-risk um, demographic situation? And so that includes people who come from countries where there are high rates of rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease, and also um, potentially people in low-incidence rheumatic fever countries who may be um, recent migrants or come from particularly deprived populations. So that's the first thing, the individual's risk profile. And then it needs to be thought of really in any child or young adult who presents with acute inflammatory arthritis or um, an unexplained um, valvulitis, so inflammation of the heart valves causing valvular regurgitation. It should also be considered in anyone who presents with unusual involuntary movements that's rheumatic chorea. Can you tell us where those high incidence regions are, Rachel, so our readers know where they should be particularly concerned? So in particular, we're talking about um, the Asian subcontinent, Africa, and closer to home where I live in Oceania, in New Zealand, amongst the indigenous Māori and Pacific population, and in Australia amongst the indigenous Aboriginal peoples. There is also very high incidence in a number of Pacific Island nations. Do we know why these regions have a particularly high incidence? Look, the reasons for that are not entirely clear. It is felt that um, poverty, and in particular crowded living circumstances and um, socioeconomic deprivation is a large driving factor. Whether there is a genetic um, susceptibility to rheumatic fever and rheumatic heart disease is um, also being questioned. A definite link has not yet been found, but there are a number of research studies underway at the moment using known wide association techniques to investigate the fever. Thank you. If we think about how to diagnose rheumatic fever now, 
You talk about the different criteria in your review. How should clinicians go about making the diagnosis and which criteria should they use? I think the first thing to really emphasise is that um, there is no single diagnostic laboratory test for rheumatic fever and ultimately it's a clinical diagnosis. And the criteria are now in use around the globe. So we're talking about the American Heart Association Jones criteria, which have just recently been updated this year, along with Australian and New Zealand um, diagnostic guidelines, are all used. And these um, all, um, I guess, take into account the um, underlying risk factors and um, demographic risk of the person who's um, who's suspected of having rheumatic fever and then there are a number of different clinical and laboratory criteria that we, we consider. You explain the different criteria very clearly in the review Rachel so we'll direct our listeners to see the full version of those online but if we could talk a little bit about the most common presenting features in rheumatic fever and the most clini- clinically significant symptoms that would be very helpful. Certainly. So the most common presenting feature of acute rheumatic fever is the joint manifestations. Now classically when we read about rheumatic fever in textbooks, this is described as a migratory polyarthritis. Um, In real life, things aren't so simple. Um, The joint features in rheumatic fever are very, very sensitive to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication including ibuprofen, which is readily available over-the-counter in many countries around the world, and also aspirin. And so, in reality, people may present with not the typical, or the classic,